We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. <laughs> Suck it, Toronto. To think that, that a season is championship or championship is, is um, certainly the way we've approached it. To the Miami Heat fans, it was uh, you're despicable people, and I hope I never hear from you again. Milwaukee, we dogs! James Harden is a massive choker, and he is a bum. Bum. Finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you did it, huh? Hello, and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com, joined, as per usual, by Riley Feldman and Kyle Carr, back after a long hiatus. Fellas, how are we doing? We're doing really good. It's felt great to not care about basketball for a long time. I know that's sacrilegious for somebody on the Brew Hoop Podcast to say, but once the Bucks went out, I was like, look, we've been watching basketball for what feels like consecutive years at this point. Um, and it was exciting to go into a draft where we might actually pick somebody and we get in a transaction season and everything. I didn't watch a single second of basketball once they went out, which was great. Uh, and things have been really good by us. Hot as hell in St. Paul, but it kind of cooled down the past couple of days, which I'm thankful for. And uh, yeah, otherwise good. Yeah, it's it, it's honestly been kind of just whatever the buck season ended i was like all right i'm not watching basketball i didn't realize how disconnected i can get with basketball like i would watch the nba finals if it was on in like a restaurant or if i was at a bar and it, like if it was on i was at least like glimpsing to see what happened but i didn't watch any basketball i didn't care about the draft because i was like i'm not getting baited into this I, I have been burned too many times by john horse there's no way he's gonna keep this pick he's probably gonna trade it for like a veteran that is what I'm going to tell myself. Don't put in the effort. Even the night of the draft, there's a Ford Madison game. So I didn't know what was going on. And I left. and I was like, oh, OK, that's really cool. They drafted someone. Great. And then it was kind of funny. Like when I got home, and it was like 1130. The draft was still going. I was like, it is 1130. How is this nonsense? This should not take this long. There's only two rounds. Like, what is this? But otherwise, it's been good. Uh, Desmond can walk if he wants to. He just chooses not to. Sterling can put sentences together. That's weird. He won't sleep, but he can at least tell me, you know, there's a sign and his favorite letter is W. So that's been kind of nice. That's kind of a crazy transition moment when when the creature that's been walking around your house babbling for years starts saying things. You're like, whoa. whoa it's one whoa. thing when he would just say like one or two like words. And then it's another thing when he's just like, Dada, go walk. Dada, take Geo walk. I was like, what do you mean? How do you understand this? <laughs> Like, yeah, you can. Yeah, I'm taking Geo for a walk. How do you understand? Okay. <laughs> Mama put on seatbelts. It's like, well, stop this. All right, hold on. <laughs> You're still the kid that's uh, eating crayons. Like, I don't yeah. need this. <laughs> uh, that's really good. How are you, Adam? It's been, a, yeah, it's been a month almost. Yeah, it's been, a re- it's been a really long time. I'm good. I did the same thing. I checked out on basketball. I think people could tell from our last podcast we were all about to check out. So kudos to all of the people on Brew that like the next day we're immediately talking draft and how we're going to improve the team. You guys are all like real true fans and we just stopped watching or caring. Um, 
Yeah. So I, I, I've been good. Uh, just hanging out with uh, my daughter, spending a lot more time with my daughter and my wife. And not much beyond that. Ran the uh, community draft board, which was interesting. Learned almost nothing about all the prospects. But I think what we learned from this draft process is, Kyle, you need to abstain from the process from here on, from henceforth. Because this, I can do that. <laughs> this led to a selection of Marjan Bochamp uh, with the 24th pick. There was a lot of chat, like almost too much chatter about the Bucks could be trading up for a big man. They could be trading back. They could want this guy. I don't even think Bochamp was in the list that Gaboni had on ESPN. It was all over the place. And, and then I think the night of either Milton, Newt, Newt Milton or, or Horst said, you know, we were anxious trying to trade up to get Bochamp. So there was all kinds of chatter, but they end up with this guy who, frankly, I'm sure most of us didn't even know anything about. Played on the G League Ignite, a, a really awesome story. Went through a bunch of, you know, went through four high schools, was uh, decided to forego college and tried to do a training program that it wound up being shut down from COVID. Ended up going back home, dealt with a lot of anxiety and depression, thought about just stepping away from basketball, wound up going to Yakima Community College in Washington, and then was able to get on the G League Ignite squad, played games there. And long story short, now he's the first round selection of the Milwaukee Bucks. First first round selection we've had since Dante DiVincenzo that's, that's been on the team. Uh, Riley, what were your initial thoughts when you saw the pick come through? I thought first, the very first thing was, this is the Brew Hoop podcast coming full circle. It started, the very first podcast of this iteration was the post-Dante draft pick analysis. Uh, Kyle wasn't even part of the roster at that point of the regular Brew Hoop, and now we've come full circle, and now it's Marjan for uh, for this round. Um, yeah, I didn't know the guy at all. Uh, I was hoping ESPN would play some highlights. I was like, well, at least they'll have highlights. And it was two dunks and a block. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> that's better than nothing, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you start going through the film and you're like, I really don't really know what to make of this guy. He kind of fits everything and nothing that anybody could want from like a draft prospect. Cause you're like, oh, older player who could contribute, but has like limited experience at any sort of high level could play like defense, but maybe a little like two lights, like not physically hefty enough to like stand up against like NBA defenders. He like his all offensive game is all Thanasis dunks. It's like if Thanasis was just like a little bit lither, it's just all dunks. That's literally all it is. Uh, he can't shoot, but we have like shooting doctors. So it's like, it's all over the place. I think it's a really interesting pick. Um, I'm glad they did pick somebody because God knows we need a new like hope to put somebody in to like even if it's kind of hit or miss um in the coming season just be like let's see what they can put together Uh, i'm it mostly it's interesting or i'm going to be interested in like where how quickly is he able to put on some muscle and does that allow him to start playing like a three or like a small forward and then start defending like power forwards of a certain size or something because i think he's going to earn minutes as everybody has said almost exclusively on his defense and on this team, you don't have to do a lot on offense. It would be great if he could space the floor a little bit and they'll be working on that. But, you know, him creating his own shot, I don't care about that because God knows we can't have the 11th man creating his own shot because that's the Jordan War experience. And there's a reason why he didn't get a lot of minutes uh, uh, in actual meaningful minutes. So I think I like switching it up, going with a defense first 
in theory guy and then working on the offense from there. But anybody who guesses that he's going to be an absolute bust or a total success, I mean, this is a total wild card. I I have no clue whatsoever how he's going to do, but I hope the best. So I think interesting prospect, at least. Yeah, I like I said, I was at a Ford Madison game, so I didn't know who it was. I was expecting them to say like EJ Liddell because that seemed to be the name that everyone was going with. So when I heard about him, I was like, oh, okay, this is a good story. After reading more things, I pretty much uh, narrowed it down to this guy is going to be the definition of got that dog in him. He seems like someone that is going to do the dirty work. He seems like someone that is going to put out the hustle. He seems like some of that. It is almost going to be a what if the Nasus had a little bit more skill and less chaos in him, which I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's going to be good. Um, he can't shoot, which that's fine because it, as we saw in game seven, the Bucks can't shoot regardless. So if you're not going to be able to shoot, at least be able to defend. It sounds like he does have the tools that is needed to at least be a good enough perimeter defender. He seems to have the size for it. He seems to have the agility. You know, I wouldn't expect him to be a lockdown defender, but I think at the very least, he looks like he can play defense. He looks like he has the instincts to do it. He's not someone that requires the ball other than when he was in community college. He's never been expected to be a guy that needs to have the ball in his hands, which might be a good thing for a guy like play with Giannis, play with Drew, play with Chris. He's not going to be expected to be the option does some off-the-ball cuts, that'll be nice. So I think that's going to be interesting to see. The biggest thing I'm wondering is you have Jordan Wara on one end who can shoot, takes all the shots in the world, but can't defend. Now you have pretty much the exact opposite in him and Marjan who can't shoot, doesn't need to shoot to supposedly be effective, but can defend. So what that does with the wing rotation, and again, that also depends on well, what if you don't bring back Wes Matthews? Because I think he could be someone that can take that role, essentially. He's not going to be as good of a shooter as Wes, but he can at least provide the defensive need that Milwaukee could show. And I think that's, you know, yeah, keeping the pick was huge. At the very least, you have someone that looks to be able to get playing time. And once he figures out the defensive rotations, everything, he looks like someone that I would not be surprised if he got playing time on the court because that defensive skill set is something that Bud treasures. And at the end of the day, he's a young player that could potentially be in a, a rotation player for the Milwaukee Bucks. I was going to say, if people wanted a, an insight to Cal, or Kyle's draft <laughs> process, the tweet, the draft pick happened. Kyle goes into the group chat and he says, and this is this was his analysis the days leading up, and he hopefully, it looks like he might be correct. <laughs> word for word, don't worry, guys. I think he's a young player that can potentially be a rotation player for the Bucks, And we hope that's true. We hope the uh, draft prognostication goes well for Kyle on that. He's kind yeah, of that's all, I can, that's all I can really give. <laughs> that's really all, all all any of us can can give at this point. It's so hard to project any of these players. I, he's an interesting prospect because I mean he basically the G League stuff was the only competitive basketball he's essentially played since high school, but he's also almost twenty two. So I don't know. He's going to be kind of a interesting prospect to see how much his room his game has to grow uh, going forward. Yeah. Well, and I, I think. In this iteration of the roster, when we look at it, like you could do the Wes Matthews thing. He could do, we never really had a proper backup for like Chris. And I would be surprised if we go into the season and Marjan is the like the like main backup to Chris. I'm sure he'll probably be third in any sort of rotation. 
Um, but the upside to what Bud seems to have learned the past couple seasons is if Marjan hits right and he's like a decent player, the defense, if that comes first, he'll at least be theoretically playable because we do a lot of rotations or lineups now where guys like Drew or Chris or Giannis, they're they're going to be out there. Like it's very rare that we do unless it's a garbage time game or a game we're just throwing. It's very rare that we don't have one of those guys out there at all times. And so how much of it is going to be like, can they continue to set him up? I like the idea of if you want to go for an all defense heavy lineup. Um, and again, this is all assuming that like he hits the ground running and it's like really a success. I would not expect that this first season for sure. I, I would love if we get, uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys remember a couple years ago, a couple days before Christmas, DJ Wilson, Miami Heat in Miami. He has like two defensive highlights and we're like, oh my God, he's putting it together. <laughs> <laughs> if we could have like five of those this season, you know, like actual whatever, and he dunks, uh, I think that would be a wild success for him. Uh, and it's, <laughs> that would be significantly more value than DJ, who I think was like a 17th overall pick. Um, so uh, that that's like my expectations, but do not expect pretty much anything from him offensively. Um, and if he has numerous positive defensive moments in the regular season i would be thrilled with that as just a base to see where he goes from here honestly i wouldn't be surprised if he has like a game where he's got like 20 points and like six of them are dunks everyone's gonna be like he needs to be playing more bud he needs to be starting let's go come on let's do it i i'm giving it by by christmas someone will have already have said he needs to be starting because he's gonna have a game where he is just efficient for the floor because it's all dunks. He's going to be in the dunker spot. It's going to be great. And someone is going to say he should be starting. I was going to ask you guys, what do you think picking Bochamp says about how they went out this season? Does it say anything about how they lost this season? Does it say that maybe they just went, do we think they just went like highest player on their board? Or do you think it like is a reflection of how they thought their season ended? Honestly, Based off of how uh, Milt Newton and John Horse were talking about him, it seems like he was a guy that was very high on their board. And with the subsequent fall of Liddell, it seems as though maybe we, I mean, we were all kind of off on like how they, how people rated them. So I think it was more of a, they really like, like this guy. And I think what he can bring helps Milwaukee right now. Obviously, yes, shooting would have been, the ideal thing as a response to how Milwaukee bombed out of the playoffs. But I think having another defender doesn't hurt. And I think they probably saw what Miami, what Boston were able to do. It's like, if you can have enough wing defenders, you can, you can hopefully go with the idea of, we just need guys I can guard because we can't rely on Wes Matthews to do it another season. Like that's probably asking too much. And other than Chris, there isn't really anyone next to that rotation that can fill that like role. So I think it was more to do with, they probably thought, okay, we're relying on Chris and Wes to kind of have these responsibilities. And that's kind of a lot to ask out of a old Wes Matthews and a Chris that's going to be more reliant on offense. And we really like this guy. So I, I don't think like how they lost in terms of like not being able to hit shots with him back. Cause I feel like if they would have, they would have gotten someone like, a Liddell or someone that could come like that was a quote unquote sharpshooter in college. Yeah, I would agree that it kind of seems to fit a little bit of both. So they go back and they look and they say, 
you know, we have presumably Wes is going to be back another season. It kind of seems like that's what it sounds like. Okay, so we have Wes, we have Chris, we have Drew who can defend up, but he's better just like working on the guards or whatever. But we have guys who on the roster, so long as they're healthy, in theory, can cover us like another season probably relatively well. And the issue was Chris went out and yes, the offense tanked, but there was a, you know, a lot of struggles for Wes or Drew to try and slow down both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And so many teams in the league are very wing heavy, you know, like a lot of star guys are like wing size. It's very rare that there's a Giannis type. Um, Giannis is kind of a one of one and rare is the team that has a really like a true center who is like their, offensive dynamo or whatever so a lot of teams are going to be wing heavy and so this makes sense to say we have guys who can cover this season get Beauchamp in in theory he projects to be a plus wing defender um we'll give him the season to kind of work into it he over the veterans so he's not going to be like drafted in immediate rotation but I think it makes sense to say look we we trust our offense but we want to start having coverage for the near-term future for more wing defense without having to go out and specifically find a defensive specialist because, you know, I, I think taking chances on defender types in free agency, you know, the, the best is you're going to get is like a Tory Craig type. And he just, it, it didn't work out. And um, we just moved him on. Like it just, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. So if you find a defender type who you think fits better in the system or has like a better philosophy, fits better with your philosophy, I think it makes sense for what they went for. Uh, people would maybe quibble about not going for like a bigger guy like a true like a true power forward or a center but even looking through the prospect list outside of like i think mark williams was by far the most interesting center prospect uh kessler's fine but i I thought williams was the better one and he went like to the hornets in the mid like lord of late lottery ish so uh, i don't blame them for not going for a center centers are sort of a dime a dozen if you're looking for like a backup or something like that so i think it makes more sense to try with the lottery see we we got the wing defense pretty projects pretty well on that let's see if the offense comes along i think it fits with what their philosophy is for what they're looking for especially off the bench yeah i felt like at that part of the draft i mean i was just sort of looking for a body type and bochamp generally fit that I, I would generally agree. It kind of seemed like they looked at looked at their loss and said, if we had Chris Middleton, I think we're fine offensively. Let's get another wing defender who we might need. Riley, you've been beating the um, Bochamp to Orlando drum for, for you know, as many days since the draft. Is, is there any chance you think he might still get moved? Or, like, you think once Grayson Allen's contract gets guaranteed, you have sort of that $9 million plus George Hill's $4 million, there's a chance Bochamp gets moved for a veteran? No, I think I was just messing around. Uh, that would that would be hilarious, especially after all like the videos and stuff. You know, we have all this footage of him just weeping, weeping with the Bucks hat on. He's so happy to be a Milwaukee Buck, and then a week later, we're like, "But what if you wanted to be an Orlando Magic?" <laughs> isn't that so, the long con? Isn't that the the ruthlessness we want out of Horst? Though, like, we need him to be cutthroat to make those kind of moves. And on top of that, the video of John Horst, he's got like the biggest smile. He's like, I'm so happy for this guy. And he's like, and he's going to look great in Orlando Magic uniform <laughs> a week from now. <laughs> uh, I really don't anticipate that being the move. Um, I, I think, I don't know, everything they're saying seems to be that he's going to be here. I, I would expect them to look into trading guys. I think that is definitely on the table, but... Uh, 
I, it, there's just too it seems like there's too many signs. They talked, obviously you're going to talk highly about any draft pick you make. So that's not surprising, but um, given everything like, oh, we were looking to trade up. We were this, unless this is like you said, the greatest smoke screen of all time. And we're going to be like, wow, John Horst will just straight up kill you. <laughs> if it means he can get a guy on like a $10 million deal who he thinks he can help. But um, no, I, I think he's going to stick around. Um, and that it's fine by me. Like I said, we need, we need younger guys. I like this idea as if it hits, he gets to be part of like the next iteration of the team as the drew and Chris contracts start to kind of Peter out a little bit, who are going to be the guys on the roster who are going to be here long-term. Obviously no guarantee Beauchamp's going to be one of those guys, but you like the idea. You like the theory of he, if it hits, you got a defensive specialist for at least the next four years, if not further past that. If think if, everything goes well in here and it's like a second contract with the team. Oh, Bochamp. What, any thoughts on him? Apparently before this, he was on his Instagram live saying he's going to wear number zero. Kyle, any thoughts on him taking the uh, zero Jersey? You know what you do? You do you. I, I, I will, I will accept it. It's going to be hard, but I'll accept it. <laughs> Yeah, this is that's a real blow, you know. The where's the Dante statue gonna go? How are we gonna retire the number? That doesn't make doesn't make any like sort the of number could have the number's barely cold and like it's already gone. <laughs> so like that's a little rough, but they just he just with a sharpie, DiVincenzo, and he just <laughs> like this will fit for me. Uh, and I should note, unrelated to the zero, uh, we for we didn't say like any stats at all because. It's, he, I think he played 12 games in the G League season, which is fine, but there's not much. But I should note, Adam has here, 24% shooter from deep, 72% from the line in the G League. So not great. Uh, and his his jump shot is really bad. But I should note, this has no number attached, quote, shot better in community college. <laughs> so uh... It's the off season, okay? I, I, I block NBA.com stats on my, I know. On my browser. It's the only way. If he if he wasn't lighting it up in whatever level uh, JUCO uh, Yakima Community College is, that would be a serious problem. And I mean, I guess he made shots, so that's good. But just expect him to be like a Shemi Ojale level bad three point shooter. And if we go in expecting that, that's that's going to be okay. That's not the end of the world whatsoever. So. Out. So outside of Bochamp. Uh, the Bucks did trade back into the second round, as everyone wanted. Got the last pick to get Hugo Basson to be a stash prospect. Uh, they also signed A.J. Green out of UNI to a two-way, and Iverson Molinar, a guard out of Mississippi State, to some deal that'll presumably be like an Exhibit 10. Um, Kyle, any thoughts on the other potential drafty night choices by the Bucks? Um, do you have it queued up, Kyle? Do you have your analysis queued, queued up for these <laughs> I think he is a young player that could potentially be a rotation player for the Bucks. <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, it seems as though he is a guy that, I mean, he's going to be a drafted stash. That sounds like it's been confirmed by Eric Name. So we won't see him this upcoming year. I guess I see where they're coming from with this. Is like a guy that a European, good with the ball, could be someone that is more of a driver. Gabe says he has a nice floater. Sure, I'll take word of it, but I, I think it was one of those where you kind of have the last pick. They bought the pick too, so it was that was also kind of surprising that they were able to kind of send cash 
to the Pacers' way for that. But I think it was just more of a, well, let's just get a guy. We don't know what our guard, like point guard rotation is going to be. We still, we have Drew. At the time, we have Grayson Allen. At the, you know, we found out, okay, they kept Pat Connaughton. That was pretty cool. Uh, but then you still have someone like, are you bringing Javon Carter back? What are you doing with Luca? You have, you know, other guys on two way contracts. So what is the alternative option? And having a guy that you can kind of just draft and stash, I guess it doesn't hurt. Gives him enough time to play over in Europe, gets him to refine more of his game. I feel like that probably was better for him than to just like travel around the G League. While I think being in the G League would have been helpful, it's probably not the best. Like if you have to take it would have taken up a roster spot, whether it was a regular spot or a two-way. So you might as well just stash it, let him play in Europe, get that playing time, he'll come back and reassess it from there. Um I have no feelings. I know a lot of people are saying Justin Lewis. I know Mitchell is kind of banging that drum, even for the first round, it sounds like. And I'm like, whatever. I didn't watch any Marquette basketball. So, it, I mean, I guess as I get to the point where it's like, it's the last pick of the draft. It is honestly a crapshoot. I'm whatever. But, no, he could potentially be someone that's in the Bucks rotation just because of his skill set. I'm, as Riley mentioned in the comments, though, Luca versus uh, Basson is going to be quite the battle. I I will say that. I love razzle dazzle point guard ball, and I was looking at the highlights. And Hugo is not necessarily super razzle dazzle. He's interesting because he, I think he's also six six, so he's this, roughly the same height as Marjan is, and he is lanky, uh, but he's he seems more like a he would fit better as a shooting guard than he would as a traditional point guard. Like he can kind of create, but he doesn't do like a ton of primary ball handling or like he looks for his own shot, which is fine. But I think he'd be more of a shooting guard. Uh, hilarious that we could buy in at any point in the second round and ownership's like, yeah, we're, oh yeah, we'll, we'll buy a pick for 10 bucks and it's going to be the last pick in the draft. <laughs> but uh, beyond that, uh, not nah, it's fine. I'm sure we're probably doing his agents a favor or something. I don't know. I think, is like the idea if you have his rights and he signs a contract overseas, then the other team's like, oh, well, you have to pay us to take him. So it's like makes him more valuable or something. I have no idea. I, I honestly, I expect to never see him again uh, and never think about him again after this podcast. So uh, good luck in New, or New Zealand or Australia or wherever you're playing, uh, Hugo. The other guys are interesting. Uh, Iverson, uh, it's kind of a smaller guy, has like a lot of speed. Uh, definitely a get mine type of dude. And that's always an interesting transition from I'm the lead guy on Mississippi state to I'm going to be presumably just like summer league and training camp or whatever. I can't imagine I'll make it Uh, like he's got speed, but undersized. I have no idea if he'll fit or if he'll stick Um, AJ green, bigger, like, but mostly a shooter. It's essentially Sam Merrill without having to use a draft draft slot for him, which is, great we shouldn't have used a draft slot for sam merrill either so uh that's fine by me i think literally two-way perfect uh you need shooter guys like the the balance with the g league is you don't want to just totally like tank it in the g league because there is like a community there there are people who watch the games you want the team to like be good to help evaluate how the players will fit within like a decent team structure um, so it makes sense guy who can shoot, uh, we'll see, I think he was sort of like against mid majors. So how he does against like quote unquote grown men in the G league, uh, that'll be interesting. So the, the 
second round pick guy and the undrafted guys, they're fine. They're fine. I don't think that I highly doubt though. Any of them will really make the roster. AJ green. will get like 20 minutes during the season, hit a couple threes. We'll be like, Oh, like with Marjano be like, he should be a starter by Christmas. Uh, so I fully expect that take, uh, but otherwise, yeah, no, no strong feelings too much on the other guys. Yeah. And I mean, he is someone that he could, AJ green could be someone that comes in. You know, if there is like an injury crisis, say Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton are out. He seems like someone that can come in and fill that role, just come in and shoot threes. And I was going to say, don't be a complete disaster defensively, but you still get to play if you're a complete disaster defensively, as we saw with Grayson Allen. So I think he could at least do that. I mean, yes, he was, you know, shooting this well against mid-majors playing at Northern Iowa, but if he can shoot, he can shoot. And apparently this guy can, and I think play with the herd who, to their credit, the herd have been really good the past couple seasons. So it's not like you're, and yes, they are probably playing level that might be below them at times, but you're also playing with the roster of guys that continuously make their way to NBA rosters. We saw last year, I think at one point, I think like four or five guys from the herd were getting 10 day contracts and two way contracts in the NBA. And it's like, okay, well you're not playing with scrubs. So at least there's something there that, you know, you're the competition that you're competing against for playing time with the herd is still going to be valuable for, you know, for the, like the 10 days or the two-way contract guys. So I'm got, glad there. The other undrafted, he'll probably be there in summer league. He'll probably be there for most of training camp. I'd be some, And maybe some of that plays for the herd down the road. Yeah, I'm most concerned just to make sure that Mamu <clears throat> is retained either on a, another two-way or something. That was really my only concern with the AJ Green signing. So... He is I, on a. I think Mamu is on a two-year two-way, so he should be oh. he should be safe. But but he is going to start tweeting even more about how he's like you can't cage a bird or whatever at Coach Bud. Yeah, yeah, as he should after summer league. It's going to be crazy this year. And then he'll just um, get traded to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, God dang it, that sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> all right, any closing thoughts on the draft? I like. You know what my my closing thought is? I have no clue if these guys are going to be good, but I like at bare minimum just having one young person to to root for that's really my closing thought it it makes it more sometimes more fun especially in the dregs of the regular season yeah i it is again having drafts makes the off season and makes part of the off season at least worth it and especially with a team that we know how good Giannis is we know how good drew and chris are we we pretty much know what this team is on their day they can win a title but it's it is kind of nice to have during the regular season when it's a complete slog. You at least have things that you can look towards and see. Okay, how do I invest time in this and the development of a guy like Marjan? That's going to be something that we're going to invest time in and see. Like, okay, how is that going? You know, maybe these guys become something. Maybe I'll try and somewhat pay attention to how Hugo's doing over in France. Like every blue moon, there's at least stuff like during the regular season, while especially when it gets to like. January and it's like I don't want to do this anymore there will be things that at least will give me to give a damn I want the once a month Kyle column checking in with Hugo or something we'll, we'll workshop the title but I want that once a month we, just we can like make that great <laughs> grainy I, I should videos. probably do some kind of written contribution to the site at, that, at yeah. this point that'll be that'll be good uh Agree. Nice to have a young guy. Um, and the one thing I, I forgot to note, talk about Marshawn. Uh, I like 
the fact that he has like a bit of a he's has length but he seems to have pretty good body control um it, yes it is like just a shitload of dunks and that is all he does i swear to god that's pretty much all of it but when he goes for the dunk he has like pretty good body control when he when he the three layups that i did see him make he seemed to like go kind of into guys and like hang for a second and be able to like finish if he can like finish around the rim better than dante and it'd be tough to be worse than dante uh, i think that would be great so i i just i like the principles of it uh well i highly doubt he's going to be like a real super impactful player this season um, but I like the idea year two, year three, we have a wing defender on the roster. And it's more exciting than trolling through free agent age 30, 32 and be like, look, we brought this guy in in January. I'm like, OK, I haven't one either. I haven't heard of this guy or haven't thought about him in five years. And now he's going to be like our, he might West Matthews style be starting for us in the Eastern Conference semifinals a couple months from now. So this is slightly more exciting than that, at least. If you want to read a little bit more, uh, Mitchell wrote a breakdown of, of how Bochamp fits with the Bucks on BrewHoop.com. So definitely go there. For now, we're going to switch and talk briefly about uh, the impending free agency season, which is coming up really fast. Pat Connaughton opted into his $5.7 million deal. A, a total surprise, I would think, for most Buck fan, Bucks fans. What were you guys uh, – what were, what were you thinking, Kyle, when that came through? I was shocked. I thought they were going to trade it. Like I thought, what are all this chatter about? Oh, they're gonna move up in the draft, blah blah blah. I was like, oh, that's what they're they're gonna trade Pat and move up, and that's gonna piss off a lot of people. That was my first thought because I was like, there's no way. Like I was surprised he opted in because that's just so much money he left on the table. It, it just felt like for a guy like Pat, who the last two seasons has been very very good in his role. He is someone that could probably command more money in the open market, but I think it's, it it kind of feels like what I know it was mentioned in the chat. It feels like what Bobby did this past summer. Take the lower money, get the bird right so we can pay you more in the future. And I guess that's that's what it feels like, and I wouldn't be surprised about that, but I think it's also one of those where maybe Pat looked and it's like, I know what my role is here. I'm really good at my role. I know what's going on. Like why leave? There is something to say about the comfort factor of it. Also, I'm happy that he stayed. I'm surprised I said that. Cause yeah, two years ago, I probably would have been like, can we get rid of Pat, please, please. And now it's like, good. He's staying. Now we probably have to give him his money next year, which I think maybe that's just the plan that Milwaukee's trying to do while being in the taxes, like trying to lower the penalties and stuff like that. Pat opts in. Cool. We'll get you your money next year when we have bird rights and we can actually give you the money you probably deserve. Kind of similar to what Bobby Portis is going through. So, no, I was very surprised about it. I think that's a it, it's a good thing for Milwaukee, too, just to have a guy like that that knows his role and does his role really well. Can't really complain much. And hopefully and it, it, he he's one of those guys where if he shoots the ball, I at least feel semi-competent he'll make it, which is probably there's only maybe one other person on the team that I could say that about. Um, I think with Pat, he went to ownership and he's like, look, real, recognize real. I know you guys don't want to pay taxes. I don't want to pay taxes. Let's work together to duck these taxes together. And I respect that. And, <laughs> and we're going to end up paying him. I think the way it works is because he opts in. I don't know exactly why it would work this way. It's probably I think it's based on his salary last season was slightly lower than his salary would be under the five point seven. 
So in theory, if we do an extension with him, it's based off his current salary number. So it, it has a slight bigger increase. I think Mitchell was saying instead of like a $44 million guaranteed, we could sign him to a contract extension that would be like 48 guaranteed or something. So I think if it was like four year deal or something, I don't know what the, but like, you know, it would just increase the guaranteed money, assuming this looks like it's going to be like an under the table, Bobby Portis type deal where yes, we're going to pay him one way or the other. Uh, Now, like, so great, great fit. Um, He had really good run in our title season, had the injury last year, but he looked really great for like the first half of the season, first three quarters of the season. Then he got injured. Unfortunately, didn't come back. Uh, I'll be curious how long we hold on to him once we start paying him 12 to $13 million annually. Cause you know, he's, he's great. That's a lot of money to pay for 29 going to be going on 30 year old Pat Connaughton heading forward the next few seasons. But um, for now, if this frees up John Horst to convince ownership to say, hey, we need to go and pay like the full um, taxpayer MLE to be able to get a guy at like six million or whatever. Um, if that frees Horst up to use that to its full to get somebody who's talented, um, I think it's obviously a masterstroke and I'm totally cool with everything under the table and uh, whatever. If keeping the tax payments down now keeps the ownership committed to paying into the future or whatever that's fine by me um i will be curious how this then convolutes future seasons where it's like how how do we keep this tax number down because i think that is there is a marching order somewhere within the team ownership structure of like we can't be paying that that much like where can you mitigate um so but for the moment i think it's totally cool uh and we will end up paying this guy and also Pat's got a real estate empire here. How is he going to tear down all the historical buildings in Milwaukee and build soulless apartment buildings if he's not here? You know, so I, I understand he has roots in a part in his own particular landlordy way. He has roots in town, and uh, great if he wants to stay here or whatever. That's fine by me. Yeah, it also gives it'll give Milwaukee more of those like mid tier salaries that we haven't had for a few years. Sure. If we ever yeah. wanted to do trades, which we, you know, we were sort of sorely lacking. Basically Brooke was kind of the only one that would work well. Now we kind of have Grayson. We'd have Pat presumably. And then speaking of, we most likely have Bobby who opted out of his contract, but it does seem like Kyle, based on all the reporting, he seems most likely to return here for a longer deal. Kyle, you're muted. Yeah, it felt like it was one of those kind of like under the table deals where last year it's like, there's no way Bobby's coming back for this. Why would Bobby come back for this low? There's no way that maybe it is, again, guaranteed, more of a guaranteed money, more money in general. And again, probably the fit. Like he knew like this is where I am for a guy, especially like Bobby Portis, where he's been on a couple teams. He's been on really bad teams. And now he's in a winning environment. It's like, well, maybe I'll stay for this winning environment. So I, again, it's kind of the same with Pat Connaughton. I'm happy about it. I have no complaints. Give the man his money. He deserves it. So I, I think it's just more of a kind of more the how the finances break down. Because it, and Milwaukee has always said they're going to see what the value is if they're going to, like before they were going into the luxury tax. So now that they're in, it's probably the same thing, but it's like, Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis are guys that we want to keep on this roster. We're willing to pay more in taxes, the tax penalty for that. And I think most people would agree. You know, this wasn't like if Dante was going into 
contract negotiations, how much would they really try to keep Dante? It's like they really want to keep Pat. They really want to keep Bobby. And I think they're willing to make those – they're willing to pay for that. And I think that just speaks more to how good those two have been. Again, and especially with Bobby, in the roles that, they were, that they're supposed to be in, like they flourish at. They're great at. But with Bobby, he could come into the starting lineup. And yes, it's not the same defensive impact as it was having Brooke Lopez, but it's still enough where it's like, okay, we now know you can put Bobby in there and you can at least trust him to hold his own. He's not gonna he's not gonna make things substantially different like Brooke Lopez, but you at least get something out of it. So yeah, no, I would love more Bobby Portis. I, I can't think of anyone that would be opposed to him coming back. And if they are, they're probably not actually a Bucks fan. I saw there was a clip either yesterday or earlier this week of Bobby, he was at Colectivo down on the lakefront and he was in the back, like working on drinks or whatever. I'm sure that was whatever. And somebody, somebody in the comments, sorry, I can't, I don't have it up right now, but they were like, look at this. It was obviously sarcastic. They were like, look, ownership's got him working an hourly wage to make ends meet. <laughs> I was like, that is so funny. Uh, <laughs> now I think uh Totally well-deserved. It's actually a shame we can't even pay him more because he's definitely deserving of it, uh, doing us a solid last year. I think fits conceptually in whatever big man rotation you want. If, you know, even after, let's say this season we have Brooke Lopez again, or, you know, if Brooke Lopez stays and we have another season with him. If the idea of moving forward is like, let's say Giannis at center is something we start doing a little more consistently, uh, you already have like, in theory, the starting power forward, or at least a guy who could start a power forward for you on the roster and Bobby. Uh, and offense off the bench, if you want. Uh, he's a different look on defense. Uh, he has his weaknesses for sure, but I think in terms of uh, culture, I think in terms of what he can do on the offensive end, I think the slight differences he can bring on the defensive end, I think everything kind of comes together to say that it makes sense keeping him. And like Adam was saying, in years past, we'd be like, look, if we want to make a trade, we have to combine the number of times you have to go in the trade machine and be like, okay, we need to trade like George Hill, who's going to be the chunk of the salary. And then like four dudes who make $3 we like to make it work. And we have to find a team that can absorb five roster slots or whatever in a trade or be like, be willing to buy all those guys out. Now you have Pat, who's going to be after this coming season, making double digits, presumably Grayson, who's going to be making double digits, Bobby, who's going to be making double digits, uh, Brooke is already so that's like a lot of guys where it's not like 20 million, but a couple of 10 million guys, 10 million plus like a prospect or draft picks that gives you, I think, a lot more flexibility than it's just for salary matches, matching purposes. There might be a team that would have valued Grayson or Pat or whoever at their previous, like just in general, but the numbers just don't work out the way the CBA works. So that's the main plus is we're starting to build up the actual salary like slots and hopefully that gives horse again more freedom uh you know i i think at some point we're going to have to start revamping the roster uh you know it probably won't be this season but you're setting yourself up here in the next season or two to if you need to make some big moves you have the salary space to be able to do it at least well that's also why it was so important to keep the draft picks as well because that's a guarantee you don't have to worry about like how the numbers are going to work. Like it's not like you have that spot. It's already in the cap. Like it's already there. So I think that was important to have. And it's again, a young asset, which right now I would say, who is the Bucks' best asset as of right now? 
maybe Brooke Lopez, but that's like is a 30 something year old center that had back surgery. Granted, look good coming back from back surgery, but that's probably your best asset just because his contract is closer to the end. So it could be more appealing, especially for a team that wants to win now. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's not a great thing. Like, if that's your best asset at the moment, you have to keep rebuilding on that. And I think you don't make a drastic rebuild when you are a team that's – for a team that's contending for a championship, you don't do a drastic rebuild. You slowly make the moves. You make the marginal moves first, and then when you get to your bigger players, so Brooke Lopez is going to be the first big domino. Then you're going to get to Drew and Chris. But with Drew and Chris, you still have time. With Brooke, you have this season basically to figure it out. But you make those sm- smaller changes to try and rebuild on that side. So that way, when it does get to the Drew and Chris decisions, you kind of have a better idea of where you're already at. Like, are you still competing at the top? Or are you kind of just like this team in the middle where you just need another player to help you? Or is it like, okay, we're, we might this might be the quote-unquote rebuild. Like, this is probably like the official, okay, we need a higher draft pick type of time of year. And by then... Who knows what Milwaukee will accomplish? Like if they had, if they win another title or two, I don't think anyone's going to be upset because you know they still have the titles. This is the core. You have this core to win a championship. And again, had Chris Milton been healthy, you can argue Milwaukee wins against Boston. They can win against Miami. They probably could have beaten this Golden State team. It, it that is kind of like what I think helps Milwaukee is knowing like we've won a title with this core. We know we can win a title with this core. So now we just got to make the smaller moves first to both stay competitive, but also know like in the next couple of years, we're going to have to make some big decisions. In a lot of ways, I'm looking forward to free agency because it feels like most of the core is locked in. And so, you know, it's this has been a strange off season so far because it, it does feel a lot like right now, like a holding pattern because uh, Marjan comes in. Okay, that's that's like a move for let's say two to three years from now. Um, you keep most of the guys intact. It looks like Wes he expressed interest. We have interest as well. I think in John Horse press conference a week or two ago, he also said the same for Javon Carter. Um, so you know you have a lot of guys who are like, okay, we can bring a couple guys back. We have like a pecking order kind of already figured out. If you believe that this iteration for one more year has the chance to really compete. Um, and there are going to be people, understandably, who are going to say, look, the problems with the roster, uh, it's not simply just Chris goes down. There's like other things we need to address. But the way that I think John Horse and company, depending on how free agency goes, I mean, we could trade guys. We could, you know, maybe we'll assign somebody. I don't know. But it looks like we're going to holding pattern it one more season. And we're trying to set ourselves up as much as possible to say next offseason, if things don't go well this is when we can start shifting things around. Yes, you're going to lose the Brooke Lopez um, contract, which is kind of a shame in terms of filler, but the rest of it is let's just keep our long-term flexibility because I think they also understand the fact that they need to be ready to roll it forward at some point. Uh, John Horst so far does not seem (laughs) to me like an idiot, and so uh, I'm sure he understands that he has to have an escape valve where if this core doesn't work out this next season, now we have this escape hatch that we can go through. Whether or not it'll work, we'll see. But I understand if that's their theory, the way that they're practicing going about it. Um, and I think that fits also with like the Pat opting in. Like, okay, work for now. Uh, they could have gotten him on like a bigger contract now and try to trade him. But I think they see it as Pat's really valuable. We want to see if we can get it done one more season with him. 
and then we'll go from there. So I think it all kind of fits of a piece with what they're going for so far. Well, and also you can keep the holding pattern with this season because the Eastern Conference is a giant question mark. Miami is old and well, Miami has invested a lot of money in guys that maybe won't be enough to win you a title in Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo. Like they invest a lot of money in guys like that. Duncan Robinson, basically his contract is terrible now. Philly is a self-imploding time bomb that is going to take whether it is they get Kyrie or they keep James Harden or Joel Embiid does something like Philly is an imploding. It's about to implode. Okay. Brooklyn. They want Kyrie wants out. They don't sound like they're really willing to keep Kyrie. How are they going to make that work? Again, that might be something that, again, that might be a ticking time bomb waiting to implode. And also you're going to piss off Kevin Durant. All right. And then you look at some of the other teams in the East. It's not like any of them are really a threat to Milwaukee. I mean, Toronto maybe will be better, but I, that's not enough to beat a Milwaukee Bucks team in a seven game series. So unless you see some of these teams like an Atlanta or Charlotte, really take a giant leap. Milwaukee doesn't need to make big moves to still get back to the NBA Finals. It probably just needs to keep what it has, stay healthy, and then and then you never know. It could beat Boston and it could beat Miami. So that's all you have to worry about right now because you know you're Philly's probably not you're not they're not better than like Philly's not better than them and self-imploding. Brooklyn's not better than them and they're self-imploding. You can hold firm and be okay to still compete and get the Eastern Conference title back. Yeah, I think it's like we said last time. They're in a good place. They're not far away from winning it all yet. And they can easily, there's a lot of things they could say that they could have done it if Chris Middleton was healthy. So it does seem pretty likely that the free agency period will be a lot of stuff we're expecting, a lot of run it back. Um I don't know. Are you guys are are you expecting them to use the taxpayer MLE either of you? I'm sure they'll try. Whether they get who they want, I don't know, but I'm sure they will try. All of us are getting muted. A bunch of <laughs> a bunch of dorks. Could you tell we've been out of practice for a couple of weeks, folks? Um, so. I hope they use it, and either way, I'm going to be pissed because if they don't use it, it'd be like the ownership is cheap and they suck, and whoever they can get for six million dollars is also going to suck, and we'd be like, this guy's awful, and I can't believe we're paying him six million dollars. So I'm not going to be happy one way or the other. I would prefer that we spend the money uh, to the fullest. I hope we don't like just do a chunk. Uh, whatever, if they do, I'm sure it'll be fine. Who cares? But. Uh, if six million can get them up to like a decent guy, please use it. I expect them to use it though. I think like it if makes six million sense gets you a good, if it gets you a backup point guard, cool. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. That's a, it's like, or you find like another like big man, like another center of some sort, because centers the market's a little bit cheaper. Maybe you're like, look, he didn't work out here. Second draft kind of guy. Maybe it'll work. Uh, I think that's the direction they should be going, and I do expect them to use it as well. Just don't use it on a guy that probably needs Giannis's playing time. Like, that was the thing with Christian Wood. It's like, where are you going to play him? Because he basically, he can't be a center, but he can't play him a power forward because that's Giannis. So I don't want a guy like that where it's like he's too small to be an efficient center, but he would be the best in the four where Giannis is going to play. Like, don't use your money on that. Please don't. 
Please don't bring back Robin Lopez. I will lose my mind if we do the Robin Lopez thing again. I do not want Robin Lopez on the team. John Horace, if you're listening. I've I've appreciated Riley. I feel like you've committed fully to I don't want the bubble team back. I I th- th- I Why feel would like, I? I Corver comes back. Affinity, I think. But the, yeah, I I have no it they don't seemed really old by the end. It wasn't the greatest. Now Marvin, if he came back, he actually would fit a kind of nice role. Um, <laughs> But he might be he might be gone now. Uh, uh, I think he might. Yeah, no, for sure. Anybody associate this is my biggest thing with George Hill and Wes. You know, in theory, I understand the fit is great, but they, I'm sorry, they're tainted goods at this point. If they they're fine for regular season, but they should ideally not be part of any sort of regular season. I'm still waiting for George Hill to announce he's retiring. The fact that he hasn't yet seems a big red flag for my plans. So uh, we're gonna see what happens there. But yeah. Yeah, my we who knows what's going to happen with free agency. My big thing this year is I'm not going to talk myself into anyone. I'm not going to squint and see how I can picture them on this team. I'm going to go like eyes wide open, like Clockwork Orange style, because the, the Shemi thing was was bad. The Roddy Hood thing was bad. I just don't. If we learn anything, it's just don't try to replace a dollar with two dimes. It's just it's most likely a, a poor tactic. So that's why I'm glad. Hopefully they'll be re-signing the players they have. They're at least known commodities and whoever we sign with what limited resources we have. Uh, I'll, I'll go in, I would say with skepticism initially. Well, I also think it helps that whoever they do bring in, I don't expect them to be replacing someone that did make a big contribution. So like that was the issue is like, Trying to replace PJ Tucker because he was so helpful in the Bucks run, it's like, what do you do? As opposed to you're gonna replace, I don't know. I'm just just thinking know. about the shimmy <laughs> Great. It's a great point, Kyle. It's, it's, it's so funny that they did that. And it went so badly. Well, it's just I like can't... the last few years, like, okay, they tried to replace a Brogdon. It's like, okay, you had Dante and Wes Matthews supposedly like fill the Brogdon role. That wasn't great, but it, like it did what it needed to. You tried to replace PJ Tucker, and it's like, okay, we got shimmy <laughs> It's just like, God. Uh no, that in, could not have gotten worse. So at least this year when they're bringing in dudes, it's not like they're going to have to replace anyone vital. It's just more like, okay, you just need to fill the end of the bench. And if you can contribute, great, but we're not expecting much. Well, and I like that too, because in theory that that leads you more into the route of like the Bobby Portis is the Brooke Lopez, the Pat Connaughton's like, okay, we're not trying to replace like a very specific need. We can kind of look around and say more. So you're a guy who we think has like a redemption chance. We're not trying to like force you into a very particular role. Like, okay, you're a talented guy who it didn't work out at whatever previous team. Um, I think that gives them more flexibility and probably opens up their horizons for who they'll target. Cause like you said, Kyle, PJ Tucker goes, okay, well he was like critical to what we did defensively in our run. So we have to find somebody who could maybe do that. Maybe if you didn't have that particular problem, you have more freedom to like look around at the market. And obviously it takes two to tango, but I, I think John Horst has shown in the past he has a propensity to find good free agents. Uh, last year was really bad, um, and the bubble team was bad too. But in theory, West was like fine. Uh, they had George Hill. Like some of the guys were fine. Like sort of, I guess George Hill was a trade uh, that we resigned or whatever. But um, I, I have faith that we'll find guys who, yes, go eyes wide open, arms wide open. God only knows how it's going to turn out. But I, I have 
hopefully higher hopes because we're not specifically, like you said, Kyle, filling a need that last year's or like a guy who departs from last year's team who had like a big role that we had to fill. Muted. I'm pressing the button, man. This is really rough. I'm so sorry for all the listeners. We're going to have answers within, by the end of this week, actually. Free agency starts June 30th at 6 p.m. I kind of forgot that that's moved up. I'm glad it doesn't start late at night anymore. But we'll find out soon. For now, we're going to take a really quick ad break on the other side, do our miscellaneous topics, close it out. Stay tuned. All right, we're back. Miscellaneous topics, the return of film review. All yours, Kyle. Yeah, there are plenty of films, but let's talk about Doctor Strange because that was the big (laughs) movie that came out right around the last time we recorded. So I was like, okay. It's interesting because I I did enjoy the movie. Don't get me wrong. I did enjoy it. But I think, and this is probably more of a wider issue. It's not just a Marvel thing. I think it's like any franchise that goes through it, whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, you know, if if DC ever gets to that point. Everyone has to overanalyze every single preview and think, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Like, it was clear that Scarlet Witch was going to be the villain. Like, it was always clear. Like, if you saw WandaVision, like, it was blatantly clear that was going to have some impact. Again, and for those that didn't see it, it's like, yeah, you go in realizing it. But for those that, like, were following it, like, there are people that were shocked. I was like, it's not that surprising. Now, it was very, it, it was still a very fun movie. It was not as fun as the first one, but I think having Sam Rami add a little bit more of a horror element was kind of cool. Obviously, having some of the, like, having, you know, Professor Xavier showing up, that's kind of nice. Having Mr. Fantastic, like, having him show up, okay, cool. Having Peggy Carter as Captain, not necessarily Captain America, Captain Carter. Like, that, like having Monica Rambeau be Miss Marvel. It's like, those are some of the things that are really cool. But I think in the core aspect of the movie, I enjoyed it. I w- it was one of those where had I just seen the trailers and I didn't have to be online to see everyone try to like decipher everything, it would have been more enjoyable. I still had a good time. I still think it's worth watching as like a movie in itself. If you are if you're just a person that's just gonna watch the Marvel movies, you can still watch it and still get like an idea of what's going on with the plot. Like you don't need does it help watching some of the other things? Sure. But you can jump in, watch it, understand what's going on. If you just watch Marvel movies, it's fine. So I give it 7 out of 10. Like, it was a good movie. Like, I did enjoy it. I I thought it was good. The only thing that slightly annoyed me was there was all this talk about, like, oh, and this is where it's going to get nerdy. About, okay, who broke, basically who broke the timeline? What, like, caused the multiverse nonsense to happen? And it didn't really answer it because it was like every because like you watch WandaVision, like, oh, this is what broke it. It's like, no, you watch Loki, this is what broke it. No, you watch Spider-Man, this is what broke it. No. So there's never like one clear thing, like, oh, this is what broke it. It's just like, yeah, it's just broken. That that's not adding up. So that was my only complaint, was like there wasn't really that much of a explanation of how the multiverse got as screwed up. It was just like assuming you watch all the other shows, and it's like well, I did, but was that the singular event? Because there was like three different events that happened that caused it. Listening to you talk about these Marvel movies is like listening to an old head talk about 70s ABA basketball, like Boots McGee, when they had Boots McGee starting on the wing and Slipshot John Johnson. Or <laughs> these are just, these are names you're putting out there that mean nothing to me. I appreciate always when you do the Marvel reviews now, uh, putting in a uh, aspect of, if you have watched the Marvel movies or not, uh, 
So that's cool. Um, it I, looks, I always use my um, wife as a good test of like, if I try, if I just brought her to watch it with me, would she get, would she need to watch all the other stuff? This one, not so much. No, thankfully. Okay, good. I, I, I would appreciate if they continue to go have them as self-contained. If they're going to do like essentially episodic movies, which is kind of what they're doing now, if they can be, please, mostly self-contained, that would be appreciated. I'm not going to watch this. Uh, that should go without saying, obviously. If but you could watch I it in 3D, I would highly recommend it because I watched the first Doctor Strange in 3D and that was awesome. And I'm Really? Yes. Doctor where Strange is, is one of those movies where like watching it in 3D probably is better than watching it in 2D. Interesting. Rare is the movie these days that really goes all out with like the 3D and does a really good job with it. So that's cool. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's kind of it. Yeah, like I said, I I enjoyed it, but I'm also very simple when it comes to movies, so I think that also helps. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm personally looking forward to the Rise review. Adam's watched it. Kyle's watched it. I might have to just dip out on the podcast and we'll have Mitchell in and you guys can just do a podcast reviewing Rise because uh, I don't have Disney Plus and I'm not going to get Disney Plus, nor am I going to spend money to rent this movie. So uh, I'm looking forward to that future movie review. I mean, I just have Disney Plus because it's like at this point, I just have every other streaming service possible. Whether I pay for it or not, it's a different story. But I have almost every streaming service now. So it's just like, let's just add it to the list. Oh, Kyle, I lost it when you halfway through said this is when it gets nerdy. And I'm a, I, <laughs> that was that was amazing. Uh, I might check out. Actually, I might watch Doctor Strange today. I've been meaning to watch it. So. It's on Disney Plus now. So um, do it. Riley. Pen review. It's been so long. Robert Oster has been waiting. He has been. I know. He's probably sending me messages like, where's where's my where's my free publicity, dude? I sent you all this ink. Where's it at? Uh, sorry, Robert. Uh, it's been a while. I had last last time I would have reviewed a pen ink and we're doing another pen ink. Uh, it would have been at that point my Iron Gall ink. And <laughs> to properly follow up, I think Kyle's deep Marvel review. I went with a deep pen ink review. This one's a little more simple. This is a true blue uh, this one, I don't know if you'll ever be able to see it. Uh, of course, my thing is in front of the mic. Um, it is truly quite blue. Uh, the <laughs> truth in advertising continues with Robert Oster. He did not pull a fast one on me here. Uh, this is just a straightforward water-based ink. Um, I put it in my Lamy uh, 2000, which is like my gold nib Uh Essentially, it's like one of my thicker nibs or whatever. And the reason why I do that is stuff like this, um, where it's like this really like uh, catching blue, you want to put a whole bunch of it down because then it looks good when there's a whole bunch of it down. And uh, some blues, when it's a true blue, they'll almost think like an office ballpoint blue, you know, which is fine. Like it's functional. But so many people are like, I just want a functional blue ink, which is fine for people. But for me, I'm writing this. I want it to be like sort of with some personality, some brightness pretty bright like lively blue um doesn't have any sort of shading at all like it's like i said it's true blue uh nothing too crazy um if you are looking for a blue that you could use on like documents without being boring about it this is pretty solid um and you don't have to worry about it like turning red partially if you put a bunch down or like whatever so uh i'm pleased with it uh, i got a couple other blues of his that i'm going to be trying here but uh yeah Two thumbs up on True Blue. It's pretty solid for what I'm using it for. I liked the I liked the the hue. 
Maybe, maybe we can. Um, maybe you should start sending uh, pictures of the of it, and then we can put those in the articles, the podcast articles. Oh, that's a good idea because they he did give me a million swatches too, which is very. This is another dorky pen thing where everybody takes the ink and they like splash it on the swatch so that you can see like, oh, this is where it's really thick. And if you like, here's this water resistance, all this. So yeah, I could do that probably. That wouldn't be a problem. Gotta gotta keep the engagement through the off season for our readers. Yeah. Uh, we'll have more content that that's engaging like that to come. Free agency is going to come up quick. Summer league will come up quickly. I'm sure we'll hear the final roster soon. I am really holding out hopes. This seems like it could be one of the most interesting Bucks summer league rosters in maybe a decade, uh, and I've watched most of them. So you uh, you should look out for this. Um, Kyle, you made it. I know. I, as I was talking, I was like, wait a minute. I'm muted. You had to get one more in. Luca and Mamu on a summer league roster is yeah. what I need. I, yep. I will I will gladly watch if those two are on the summer league roster. Absolutely. That's the energy we all need to have. Now, after game one, we will have a steep drop off when people remember it kind of sucks to watch summer league. But we need to be excited until then. Um, well, it's not like a game at like 3 a.m. against China this year. So that is true. Nice that is true. That is promising. So I'm excited for that. Go to brewhoop.com. We'll do the podcast sporadically throughout this offseason, uh, as you could obviously tell. And uh, we'll have all of our usual coverage for Summer League, free agency, etc. So we'll talk to you again soon.